This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. About to hop into this podcast with Morgan Evans, who uh, is a friend of mine. And I guess he just left the house here. We usually come up right afterward and uh, do the intro to these podcasts and kind of promote a couple of things. But... I always feel comfortable with people that I super know just to go sit down, don't talk. And then let's just start yeah. there. Those are my favorite. Yeah, because if I don't know them, you have to do the, hey, how's it going? And then sometimes they say stuff that you wish they would say on mic. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, oh, that's, that, I wish you wouldn't have wasted that here because I'll be like, oh, yeah, we were doing this today. We wrote this song today about whatever. We've kind of got a groove of that, having them just like, all right, let's just start. But I feel like we have to do that with people that I know. Like Morgan and I will occasionally make time away from things and go and uh, hang out. And so we know each other. So I was like, he just walked in. I was like, I pointed him around the table. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just put the headphones on. And we just started. So at the beginning of this, it's just a bit of us talking before we kind of get into anything about his career. Um, but I like the guy a lot. He's one of my favorite people around town. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of how it started. It was one of those where it's just like, all right, don't talk. Shh, shh, don't waste anything. <laughs> and then away we went. So... Uh, yeah, Morgan Evans uh, is about to be episode 180. Some some fun stuff coming up. Um, and I thought that his biggest American song was his biggest Australian song, but you'll hear that confusion coming up in a bit, which is pretty cool. His story's pretty cool. And also the big song that he wrote for another artist that he was actually just trying to write for himself, and the other artist gets it, and that's a whole thing. So uh, coming up with Morgan Evans, let me promote, though, first of all, the podcast Get Real with Caroline Hobby. Because there are some uh, awesome interviews that she does with some of the wives of country music stars. Uh, I would recommend the Thomas Rhett, uh, Lauren Akins. Mm-hmm. She talks to Lauren about TR, which is fantastic. Um, I always recommend Luke Bryan, Caroline Bryan's. Caroline, one, that's good. She went with Philip Sweet recently, uh, Philip Sweet's wife. And so um, it, that's good, too. And they have names, obviously, but my point is she, that, that's her angle. Is she goes and finds the wives of country music stars. And so, yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I, I'm into it. Um, 
Is there anything else? I, be sure to catch the Raging Idiots out on tour. We were writing some of the, uh, we're doing an intro, kind of like a musical. Yeah. At the beginning. We, we were up at the house writing this whole intro piece, me, Eddie, and Emma, where I want it to feel like a musical when we start the show, more so than just like two guys walking out with guitars doing partial comedy. Yeah, like come out to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty funny. Pretty good. It feels like a, a bad Broadway show. <laughs> but I want our show is going to be half comedy, half music. And I've been writing. I've spent the last few months just trying to write jokes for it. Um, some which I share uh, coming up in a second. Um, but yeah, I've come out. RagingIdiots.com. Chicago, come on out. Denver. There's only like three shows that aren't sell that aren't sold out or selling out. Um, one is Chicago, and that's an early show. So if you're in Chicago, there's I think we've only sold out like three quarters of the theater, which is still a good show, but um, there are tickets to that one, but some of them, we're just so surprised that, I mean, that, that people will come. It will be a fun show, and it'll be funny. Um, I'm always surprised people buy tickets to anything. I'm like, man, people are still buying tickets. It's a, it's a whole new show, and Walker Burroughs, but I'm just shocked. I look sometimes, and I'm like, I cannot believe people bought tickets to come watch watch me tell jokes and watch us play dopey songs, but it will be a fun show, and we're playing a show in, on Friday in Biloxi, but it's that, that's a sold-out show. But we start the real tour in July, and I hope people come out. I've from Louisville to Vegas to, you know, I'd say Austin. Some of these shows are, are, are gone. But anyway, that's the deal. Um, check out Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown. That's a, that, that one is creating a life of its own. Not living a life of its own, but creating it. That is a monster podcast. So congratulations to Amy and check that out. Do you know what her four things are this week? Uh, this week, I don't know what all she has, but last week she had Eddie on talking about uh, being a foster dad. And all of Eddie's kids were over yeah. at the pool party. And it reminded me when Walker Hayes came over with his kids. Walker has, I think, six kids. I th- yeah, I think six. And Eddie has four now Yeah, because he's fostering two children. So you can listen to Eddie's story on the podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, her episode last week. So uh, that being said, I do think we'll get started here on the show this week. Uh, this is Morgan Evans. Uh, follow him on Instagram. Morgan Evans Music. Morgan Evans Music. You can also follow me on Instagram, Mr. Bobby Bones, as I'm getting so much closer to 1 million. You close? I'm 981,000. I'm looking at it too. Follower count doesn't affect me unless it gets to one of those numbers and I'm so OCD about numbers that I'm like, I need that to be, just so I can stop looking at it. Because I I just, at 894,000, I was like, I need it to be 900. At 700, it didn't matter. I don't like those odd numbers. And also, it'd be pretty cool to get to a million because uh, I don't mean people really like me in life. <laughs> all, all my value obviously comes from uh, the one million from, from followers on Instagram. Uh, that being said, okay, we're going to go on Morgan Evans. Here we go. Tell your friends about the Bobby Cast, please, if there's an episode that you like. And here's today's show, and away we go. No, not the house. No, it's all on this. You can leave it that was fine. Uh, episode 180 with uh, Morgan Evans. You good? Better than ever, man. Yeah. It's good to see you. It's good. Good to see you. It's always, most of the time when we hang out, we're sitting. Yeah. And so randomly are we standing beside each other. But you're, I'm always a little taken aback how big a boy you are. How big old boy are you? That's what the, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're revisiting the uh, the call that you made after I saw this guy at the gym the other day. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's funny too. I'm, uh, you're, you, I'm not that big. It's like 6'1", maybe. Um, Maybe a little taller than that because I just got measured at the doctor and they told me I was six one. We're probably the same height. Yeah, you probably got me, but I, that I don't. Think, if he's six one, I'm not six one. Like I have to measure it four times. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm still growing. Who knows? You're hitting it pretty hard though. Look at you in your tight t-shirt. 
like Mike D says he's working out with what's it forties in each arm? I said eighty. In each yeah. arm. I yeah. was I was bench pressing cars in the gym. There's just a myth around him that it just you see him and you think that. We were in the studio one day and Mike <laughs> D goes, Yeah, I saw uh, Morgan. He's working out at the gym. You got the same gym, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, what what's because I'm always curious what other guys can do. Of course, yeah. And he was like, Oh, he had like eighties in each arm. I said, like, doing what? He's like curling, eighties. And I said, and like once to get the perfect Instagram funny picture. He's like, no, man, he works out the 80s. And so we called you on the air, like right away. And yeah, I remember I got the text from you and I had no idea. Are you free to talk right now? I was like, damn, it's 9 a.m. I was just waking up on the bus in the middle of somewhere. And, um, but I actually, that, at the gym that time, I was listening to one of these. I was listening to the Parmalee. Uh, oh, yeah, Matt from Parmalee. Yeah, the conversation yeah. you had. And, and I saw Mike and I was like, do I go over and say, hey, do I? I don't know. <laughs> and then I just sort of, you know, waved and didn't interrupt his workout. But uh, Did you yeah. know who he was, Mike? Yeah, I saw him before and I was like, oh, it's Morgan Evans. And I didn't want to say anything because at the gym, you're kind of in the zone. You don't want to like go up and talk to anybody. And I didn't think he knew who I was. Come on, dude. You're the <laughs> award-winning producer of the Bobbycast. <laughs> Duh. Are you good, though? I am. Yeah. I, really good. It's It's been good to be home like the last couple of days. Well, I was just saying, I've uh, been back in the studio the, the last couple, today and yesterday, so... It feels it's uh, productive, but also fulfilling, you know. But in studio, you mean writing? Yeah. Or, rec or recording? Yeah. Oh, well, today was kind of a finishing day. Uh, I feel like I've done a lot of writes in the last few months where I'll be like, oh, we're done? Cool. i got to go do this now. And uh, we just sang down like five, five vocals today. So on your couple of days off, you're working. Yeah. Because you don't get to write a lot as you become an artist, which is kind of a shift because you write, write, write to become an artist. Yeah, 100%. Then you get a deal, and then they're like, oh, now you have to go be an artist for, for super free. Not just for free, but super free. Like, you get paid nothing. Yeah. You're actually going in the hole for a while. Yep. And so, but then you can't write anymore because you're out trying to serve all of your brand new artist needs. Yeah. That's, I mean, the best way that I can describe that is the year before we put out Kiss Somebody, I think I wrote 180 songs. And the year after I put out Kiss Somebody, I wrote 10. And that's... The, the best illustration I feel like as to how much time you have. It's because all your effort goes back into being an artist now more so than writing. Yeah, you just never around. And uh, thankfully at this point now that we're out on the road like, with a little more structure over the summer where we can kind of ask writers to come out and make the uh, most of that time. That's how you know time. you're making it a little bit. Like, you, you get a hit or two, you get some notoriety, writers will come on the road with you. I, that's pretty cool I will say I will say the first moment that I had of like the living the dream feeling was the first time that riders came out on my bus and we were riding got up wrote all day and then I had to take a break for sound check and back into it and then a break for the show and then back into it until we went to sleep and that's as, as good as it gets on the road how many riders come out on the road uh I like two you take two with you yeah yeah um usually a producer style track person and, and someone that you write the lyrics and melody with, yeah. And you can't take them out and then wake up and decide, you know what, I don't feel like writing. <laughs> yeah. Because... Well, I mean, you know, too, like with all the different creative stuff you do, sometimes like being forced into the situation is the best inspiration. Absolutely. You know, like just sitting... Someone told me that sitting in the room is the best inspiration. So it does. It forces you to get up one <laughs> and then it, it forces you to kind of hook in. I purposefully haven't been writing... Uh, anything as far as like book writing or essay writing at all. Like I finished my last book a year ago, checked out. I was like, I'm tired and I'm done. And uh, Darius reached out to me, Darius Rucker, uh, Thursday or so. And he says, hey, um, wife's doing this book. 
she would love for you to write because Darius and I are, are tight. Right. She was like, she'd love for you to write in the book. And I thought, okay, but I hadn't written anything, right? I just didn't want to write anything. I had nothing in me. Wasn't motivated. No inspiration. Nothing to write. Like, what, did she want a, like a like recommendation a, or a like chapter? an essay? She wanted like a uh, like right. a like a chapter. Okay. But I write all my stuff in in essay form. So, and if anyone out there's ever read my books, you know it's it's pretty stream of conscious. Where what I do, my process was, I just write like a thousand words or so, send it to my editor. Write like a thousand words or so, sometimes two thousand, send it to my editor, and then she gives it back to me in ways that would be a book. And so I just. I got so tired of writing. So, but Darius asked me, was forced into it because yeah. what was what he want? A uh, book, semen, like a finger. I'll give it to him. Whatever Darius wants, he can have. That's, a, that's my dude. And I feel like I could ask him the same and he would do it. Yeah. And so I sit at home and I was like, oh, I just do not want to write. I'm not into it. But I said I would do it. Opened it up. It was like unicorn fingertips, man. Just writing away. I really wrote something that I wish I could keep because I thought. That's awesome. Yeah. And you, just you were to your point, yeah, I was forced into it. Yeah. I had no interest in doing it, and I start writing this thing, and I was like, "Oh man, I wish I, I, this could start my next book." But I promised it to Darius, and so I sent it off to him, and I got the nicest note from him. Uh, he it was, it, it was like eleven o'clock at night, and he was like, "Hey man, I just read that. I just cried," and I was like, "Well, I'd like to have a hoodie unreleased." Uh, a ballad, please. I'd like to cry. That's why somebody sent me one. Um, so, but to your point, because you're right, sometimes you can be forced and not feel it, but you can be forced into feeling it because you'll just kind of get into it. One, muscle memory, and two, you kind of remember like yeah. what it's about, like why you, why that's your thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like too, I don't know if you get this, but if you haven't done it for a while, you kind of, there's like a fear inside you that you're not going to be good when you start doing it again. Especially if you've, if you've had any success at all. Yeah. I mean, dude, you have a number one song. Yeah. So I, now it's like. Everything's got to be better than that. Well, that's the new standard. Or, or at know, least yeah. that. Like if yeah. you don't have another one, is that even a success? I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying that's got to be. And it's a great problem to have. Yeah, totally. Because you'd rather have a number one than not. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have these feelings at all stages of um, definitely of this business. And I see it with my friends that are doing much better than I am and, and further along than I am. And I see it with my friends that are not, as, not as far along and it's the same kind of feelings, but it's a bit about different things, you know, whether it's like, Oh, I had one song that did well. I need another one. Or whether it's like, am I ever going to get booked for another show again? <laughs> or, you know, do you have those feelings still? Yeah, of course. Do you have all time. imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome. I've heard you talk about that. I, maybe that's what it is. Where you feel like, and Mike, maybe you can look up the clinical definition because this is the thing. This is my imposter syndrome that I feel like, oh, I'm not really as good as people think I am. Right, okay. I don't deserve to have the accolades that I have. I've kind of lucked into it. I kind of am faking it so much that people just go, oh, wow. You're right. But really, I know deep inside that yeah. I'm not. I'm nothing as to what people think I am. Right. Like, I think I'm okay but Mike, what is imposter syndrome? You doubt your accomplishments and you fear being exposed as a fraud. Boom. That's me. In right. any way, is that you? I'm not sure that how I feel people perceive me <laughs> as being as high maybe to live up to. But I, I will say that I do feel that. And I feel like probably if I was a comedian, I would feel the same way. But because I perform solo. There's nothing to hide behind. And before I go on, especially at a festival or something like that where the people there didn't necessarily come to see me play, I do feel that then of like, should I be here? Is this going to work? If it doesn't, I'm going to be standing there by myself and, you know, all those kind of feelings. So 
I'm not sure if that's imposter maybe syndrome. Maybe not imposter syndrome, but you're. it sounds like you're a normal human. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just really being normal. You know, what's funny about us is um, we're both fans of comedy, and we've, you know, spent time socially talking about comedy. Yeah. Um, you bring up jokes. Do you want to hear a couple of new jokes I wrote? Of course. It, it's kind of bad to share jokes, but just, I'm only doing this because we literally have sat and talked about. Yeah. You like the, the Australian guy who you don't, uh, what's his name? Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries. He's hilarious to me. Whose stand-up is funny, but his his show didn't translate well. His stand-up is way better than the show, yeah. I mean, but that's like, I mean, if you you work so long on a stand-up special, and then all of a sudden you have to do a show every week, it's going to, the standard will suffer, you know. Different talent. Okay, I'm going to read, I'm just going to give you one joke. I I write write jokes on my phone all the time. If you say the joke on here, isn't it, isn't it blown? Nah, whatever. Okay. I, I'm not a real comedian, right? I go do comedy, I do stand, whatever. But, okay, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to. I'm doing my last of my Dancing with the Stars jokes. I got about ten, ten more in me. Okay. Because I mean, what what else am I gonna do, right, with Dancing with the Stars? But I have a couple here, and I don't mind sharing this one. I'm gonna tell it on tour because we're doing Eddie and I are doing a, our comedy tour, and it's like half music, just two men, and then half, um, half comedy. Okay, here we go. I'm just going to read it to you, and it's not funny, Red, but you can tell me everything you think is funny, okay? Okay. It's a quick one. Okay. Can I do this whole thing where I talk about all the endorsements I got? I said, hey, on my season, I actually beat Olympic gold medal gymnast Mary Lee Retton. You know, America's sweetheart. You know what that means? I'm the new America's sweetheart. Hey, kind of funny, huh? <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> do, you know, do you know who she is, though? I have no oh, you know, that's that a, is, she's though. really She's really known as America's sweetheart. If you right, knew okay. that, it would have been funny. Oh, right, right, right. But still, that's kind of funny, huh? Yeah. You should do some comedy. I, I don't know if I, I, I go on stage by myself with a guitar and it's terrifying, let alone going out with the microphone. You know, I, I can't imagine it. Yeah. You can, it's like anything else. I mean, you just go up and you're not good at first and then you do an open mic, but there's nothing to do when you're not good. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? Sit there and figure out and, and yeah, yeah. it's like you're, you have a bucket and you're trying to get the water out of the bottom of the boat yeah. as fast as possible. <laughs> totally. When I say something stupid on stage, like I'm just like, uh, and I go to the next song, you know. Do you remember your first time playing a, a, a paid show? Um, yeah, I do. I was, I think I was 14, and I was playing in a sports bar with my brother and my best mate, and we played for three hours, and I think we got paid 50 bucks or something like that. So you, your brother, and your best friend, is your brother a musician? Yeah, he is. He's not professional I mean, he is a professional musician, but he, he works in construction now. Older or younger? And, uh, he's younger, but much more grown up than I am. Does he want to do music? Uh, well, we always played together when I was in Australia. and um, But he always had another career as well. He was a coal miner for a little while, and now he's building a huge building in Sydney, and he has a family, and um, that's definitely his life now. Any sort of jealous, jealousy or resentment because you're over here making it? No, I don't think so, because he, he was... He was never a, a songwriter as much, and he never, I guess, d- dedicated as much of his life to it. You know, he's seen he's seen all the the hours and the flights that I put in, and and um, honestly, I, I don't know that he would show me that if he felt that honestly anyway. But um, yeah, he's um, I mean, he's stoked. What about me. that other yeah. the, the first mate you say? Yeah, he just um, he just texted me the other day. Actually, he uh, we just put on a bunch of put on sale a bunch of shows in Australia, and uh, a bunch of them sold out straight away. And he texted me. Congratulations, basically. Parentheses. Can I come over and be part of the group? <laughs> well, I don't know. He didn't say that. He didn't. Say Do you that. have people from home that hit you up on Facebook that are like, "Hey, old best friend, 
you want to be friends again? Remember me? A little bit. Um, no one that I haven't wanted to hit me up though. It's generally pretty nice, you know, like, Hey, I heard this song on the radio and I looked it up and it was you. Sounds great. <laughs> Something like that. So, um, yeah, I haven't had any weird hometown encounters. We are going back there soon though. So maybe I'll have a better story for you. My problem is I get on 23 and me that, you know, you, you like do your DNA. Oh, I have to do that. I haven't done that yet. Well, I did it, and now everyone that's like my eighth cousin messaged me. It's like, we're related. Can I get tickets whenever you come to Chicago? Oh, and I'm like, wait, wait, how are we related? I'm like, well, our cousins, their cousins, and apparently one of them hooked up with the mailman. And now we're, and I'm like, man, they come out of everywhere with that 23andMe. They send you the, the receipt or whatever. It is. Well, what happens is you can open up and go, yeah, I'll, I'll hear from people I'm related to. Oh, and so then, the thing. yeah, because uh, then it's okay. like, oh, we're related. And so, and then in Arkansas, everybody's a cousin. Right. And so then I get a lot of cousins. Did you, you opened that rabbit hole then? Like I opened it by wanting to see if I was going to die of bacon. Okay, right, right, right. Eating, you know, weird meats <laughs> or cheeses, artisanal cheeses that you're not supposed to have. Um, so yeah, that's a, you didn't do that? You guys don't do that? 23 and me? I, I mean, I, I, every time I talk about it with someone, I intend on going to do it and then I don't do it. Maybe there, I'll do it tonight. There's a, yeah, it takes longer than that. What do you need to do? You have to like send hair off or something like that? Yeah. You have to spit and then mail it and then wait like a month and wonder, am I going to die? Okay. And then they come back and they give you this whole thing where it's like, do you want to know if you're going to die tomorrow? And you, you fight with yourself. <sighs> do I? And when, you, when you say you're going to die, like you mean like some sort of like history of like disease? If or? like you have the gene that will open you up to possibly getting X, Y, or Z. And some of the stuff's like crazy stuff like cancer. Some of the stuff's like do butt warts, you know? Right. And I, obviously I have it all. There's probably some good stuff there too. I don't think so. It's not like... <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and nothing good. <laughs> they don't ask you if you want to know anything good. Okay. It's all like, are, are you open to knowing? if? And then you have to click yes. And then it tells you what... I know it's crazy. But it also tells you if you're allergic to stuff like kale. Right. So there's some light stuff on there too. Okay. And then who you're related to. You know those times when every day feels the same, like you're pretty much on autopilot? How you're so caught up in your routine that you forget to take care of yourself and do the little things? Well, Dollar Shave Club makes it easy to take care of yourself when that happens. Their quality products help me look and feel and smell my best. I get everything I need from Dollar Shave Club without going to a store. I've been a Dollar Shave Club member for years. It started with the executive razor and shave butter. I would talk about that. Then I went to face cleanser. And now it's everything from shampoo to toothpaste to body wash. You name it, they have it, and actually, I use it. Dollar Shave Club has spent years developing, crafting, and refining their products. So much better than anything I've used before. Right now, you can get a Dollar Shave Club starter set for just 5 bucks. It comes with everything you need for a great shave, the executive razor, the shave butter, the face cleanser. I do have a feeling that you will love it. Get your starter set for just five bucks at dollarshaveclub.com slash bones, dollarshaveclub.com slash bones. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort. Little to no break-in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet and the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. 
You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things and financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. You know, I went to Australia like a year and a half ago, and um, I didn't know, this is a fun fact, that you probably knew that I didn't. I didn't know that Opera House only been built for like 30 years, 40 years. The Sydney Opera House. Is that true? It opened in the 70s. Yeah, right. I thought it was open, I thought it was like in 1800. Well, I don't even know if there's many people in Australia at that point, (laughs) but um, yeah, you've Obviously right. I, it's one of those things I feel like growing up, it's just always been there for me. And so it's, the, it's Australia when you think about it, you know. Um, it's a pretty amazing building though, isn't it? Did you yeah. go inside? I went to a tour. I did the total touristy thing. Cool. You got to do it. Yeah, it, it was fun for me. Did, when you, I imagine when you talk to people, people always do your accent back. Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little, little bit gets old. I'll tell you what though, we just did a, a promo trip in Australia a couple of weeks ago, like four days straight in, like ridiculous and um, and I reckon seventy percent of the interviews they're like, oh, so you sound American now. Mm. So that's happening. So they think you're losing your accent. Yeah, I, I can't work it out. I, I did work it out once. It was on the word awesome. I said awesome. And where did you say that? In an interview in Australia. Yeah, and, and you said the 
American awesome. I said awesome. No, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> she was like, what? What's happened to you? I was like, I guess. I've been hanging around a lot of Americans. I, I'm interested in your origin story here because I don't even know that I know that. It's not really something you sit down and talk about. Right. Like, I don't sit, we don't sit down and go, hey, man, so tell me your musical origin story. Yeah. Mostly it's like, you, how's, how you been? What's been happening? Yeah, what's, yeah. what's been cool? What have you been watching? What do you think of this album? Yeah, yeah it's mostly that kind of stuff. But like you moved to, you start coming to the States at what point? First time I came to Nashville was in 2007. Was Nashville your first place to come to? Like, did you try LA or New York or was it, I'm going to go to Nashville and why Nashville? Well, actually there, there was, um, there was this competition in Australia and it was a nationwide competition and they went, they went around different towns or whatever. And the winners of these, um, talent competition, you go up and sing a song and, the winners of these um, competitions go to the the final, and the prize was win a record deal, go record your first single in Nashville. And so, I started going in that when I was like sixteen. So you start entering the contest. Yeah. Now are you playing playing your guitar as well, or is it strictly singing? And do you get to write it? Playing guitar and always, um, I was always singing songs that I wrote. Okay. Um, I started writing songs because I thought that's what you had to do to play to play shows. And um, I went in it like four or five years in a row. And then like the fourth or the fifth year, I, I won this competition. And that was how I first got to Nashville. So let's, let's rewind four years or five years. When you start to get in this competition, you don't win the first. Did you already think you're good enough to do music? Or was it kind of just, I'm curious about this and it kind of hopping in? I mean, I was already playing around town a bunch and playing at school and, and all that kind of thing. And I've always been impatient. To, to get out and do whatever it was that I wanted to do. Um, I guess going in the competition, I was hoping I was going to win it every year, but it wasn't like something that I like rested my whole year around. It was like, oh, that's coming up. I'll enter that, you know? And um, yeah, I guess when it got to the point where I actually won this thing, it really did open up like a whole world of, oh, that's how that works. That's how that works. You know, I get to do this. And my first time here in Nashville, uh, the first thing I did was um, – I played at this, they called it the Global Artist Showcase, and it was basically anyone that's not from America uh, during CMA Fest goes and plays this show, and I went and played uh, my part of it. How long ago and was this? This was in 2007. Okay. And, um, and that day, uh, I met a guy named uh, Tony Conway, and uh, that I think it was the next day, maybe a Thursday or Friday, and he was like, hey, what are you doing tonight or tomorrow night? I was like, I'm going down to the stadium to play the stadium, and... He's like, oh, how would you feel about opening the stadium, playing at the stadium? I was like, sounds pretty good. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> and uh, so within four days of, of getting to Nashville, I was playing at that stadium on the Friday night of CMA Fest. And that was my first experience of Nashville. So you come to Nashville and you're opening up a stadium for CMA Fest? That happened, yeah. Is that how you thought it worked for everyone? I, d I had no idea. Like, I, I, I don't know that I took it for granted intentionally but there is no way to appreciate what had happened without being here you know what does that even mean open the stadium so what do you do well i went along and now they do it now it's a thing like where someone acoustic plays at the stadium right but this was before they were doing that i guess and so i just i went up and whoever it was that was hosting the stadium that night was like blah blah blah, blah from australia morgan evans whatever <laughs> and then i went on and and I remember being just so nervous and like I had sang two songs and when I get nervous, my like 
my hands don't work very well. And I remember struggling to play guitar, but I remember my, like being able to sing. And I remember that was actually like a crazy high point to have so early in a career. And I feel like that moment definitely was something that I referred to later on when things like obviously were not happening as easily as that. I was like, that's, that's why you're doing it, that feeling right there, you know? Yeah. And man, it's crazy. I still, when I tell that story to anyone, they're like, what, How, what are you even talking about? But, um, yeah, that happened. Did yeah. you just blow him away at, at whatever this world singer eatery contest is? <laughs> that I mean, like, how do you how, I, how do you perform that? Where they, he's like, hey, because there are, you know there are a ton of artists here. He probably knows fifty artists. Yeah, that he absolutely. Pulled up. I mean, now it makes no sense to me now, but at, at the time, I I mean that that global artist show was like me and someone from Canada, someone from Scotland, someone from England, you know, someone from New Zealand, and. Um, someone from South Africa. Um, I, I have no idea how it happened where he got to ask me to go play that wow. show. But, I mean, of course, when he said, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then, then I remember Brad Paisley played that night and Miranda Lambert played that night. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So it's 2007. And yeah. after that, how long were you in town that first little set? A week, two weeks? It was a week. So we recorded two, three songs and played those two shows. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was it. So um, you go back home. Back home. And you got to figure it out. You just played a stadium. Like, you're ready to go, right? I guess so. It's so funny. I, rem I went back, and uh, one of my best mates um, at the time, he was thinking about moving over to Nashville. He's like, how was it, man? And I was like, best place on earth. <laughs> it's like, there's nowhere that it compares to that place. And he was like, cool, I'm moving there. And he moved to Nashville straight away. Um, but I guess part of my the prize for that competition was the single that you recorded, you go back and you put it out. and so And I put it out. Uh, like a few months later and um and it did really well and it, it uh, you know what was uh, it called it was called big skies love that here it is how is it there is no accent in singing i hear no act I, I that you just sound like a dude turn that let me listen I hear no accent there. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I get asked that all the time to the point where I actually started doing some research. <laughs> and, okay, uh, good. I mean, for me, I, it, I just learned how to sing, singing along to American accents. That's like if I was singing along to a Garth Brooks song or a Glenn Campbell song or even to Keith Urban, you know, it's like it sounds like an American accent. And um, I, I, in the research that I found, I did find this one video of this... Um, <laughs> collection of experts talking about the way the American accent approaches vowel sounds and the way that it approaches vowel sounds when you sing is more pleasing to the human ear. And so that's why you will like, even like people, you know, from the UK or Australia or whatever, all those other countries I mentioned before, they all tend to lean towards an American accent, even like someone like Ed Sheeran that doesn't necessarily for certain words he does. And I think it just sounds better. So because it's easier to take in. I, I don't know. It's it's so it's so the funny. Spice Girls like, will sing. I don't hear a crap accent. And they talk yeah. like blah 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 exactly. blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? This video is funny though because you had super long hair. The the big skies video. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. Things change through the years, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> you had a full full band in this video. Yeah, was I, that was, it, was it others your bandmates? 
Um, yeah, I mean, that was the drummer in that video is my best friend since I was five, and the bass player is my brother, and the guitar player is my first guitar teacher. That's what that is. Yeah, we played together for a long time. Uh, we like switched out a few different guitar players, and and we had another drummer later on. But uh, yeah, that was the that was the format from like when I was thirteen years old. How did Big Skies do? It did great. It's it's funny to like equate kind of statistics compared to what what you would understand in terms of success here. But I mean, it was I put one song out and I ended up on tour for two years. And I got to open up shows for Brooks and Dunn when they came. And um, Gary Allen was doing really well down there at the time. And uh, and then when Taylor Swift came down for the first time, she heard that song and asked me to go and open her shows. And so it was just this crazy kind of year and a half to two years of like, wow, is this what I'm – I only have one song out. Here we go, <laughs> you know. You played a stadium and you've had one song. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, that was it. You got it all figured out. Exactly, yeah. Wait, okay, so – you're on Australia. Are you the guy when the American acts would come through, they would go, oh, this is the cool Australian guy. You should put him on. He'll be your, your, our, our popular local player. I mean, too, like at, at the time it wasn't really, it was just starting to become a thing for American country acts to come to Australia. Cause that never really happened much through the nineties. Garth Brooks would come down and play stadiums and stuff, but not many others would. And it was actually Brooks and Dunn and Alan Jackson were the first two that went, hey, we're going to go check it out down there. And, and their sort of success sort of, you know, news kind of spread in Nashville. And, and my manager at the time too was also the promoter that would bring them over. And so that, that kind of opened the gates to, to Nashville for Australia, which is now huge. You know, everyone's going down there and, and having a great time. So you're playing these shows in Australia. Are you thinking, I got to get back to Nashville? Or are you thinking, I'm just going to rule Australia? I don't know that I was really thinking. I was just enjoying it. I, I mean, I love playing live, and, and I'd never got to play to crowds like that before. You know, it was like just thrown into an arena or like a packed club of like screaming Taylor Swift fans at that point. You know, like Love Story had just came out. Like it was like the Beatles or something, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I, it wasn't really until I guess maybe a year or, or so into it, it was like oh, I need to put more music out. And... Um, and at the time, it, I just didn't have the vehicle to do that. Were you kind of locally famous uh, with that song? Yeah, I mean, in the country yeah. world. L- yeah, lo- locally in the country Australian world. Yeah. You were kind of a deal in uh, Australia. It, it was like people would like know that song or they would know the guy who won that competition and then put that song out and went on those tours or something, yeah. Is there a big country it was there a big country market period even for local australian acts yes it was very different though and it's it's funny i feel like the best way to describe it is kind of like texas where texas has their own country music but they also texans also obviously enjoy keith urban and luke bryan and, and things out of nashville and so we have our own like australian country music and um, that was kind of the main scene at the time. I was in Australia, and I know Keith relatively well. Yeah. Lives right down the road from me here and lives. I was in Australia. He's like, hey, text me. He's like, hey, come over. We're doing a thing. So I want to go over to his place. Yeah. And I'm like, what is country music like here? And basically, he made that same analogy. He was like, well, it's definitely a niche. Yeah. 
he said, but for what he told me was for him, he knew that he had to get somehow get on pop radio. Right. For him to actually like pierce the consciousness of the Australian music listener. And for him, it was the, I think he went on the voice. Oh yeah. He was a judge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah not as a, not as a contestant, yeah, yeah. but he was a judge on the voice. And that was big for him over there. And he then was an he, extremely popular judge. Was he? Voice. Yeah, people loved him on that well, show. People love him everywhere. But, yeah. but he was like, yeah, that, he said that really mainstreamed me. And then they started playing him on pop radio. And I remember at right. the time that him and Carrie's song was- The Fighter, yeah. Yeah, was really crushing it. And he was like, we're about to, about to be number one on the pop station. It's just funny now, I, I, we're now in 2019, and to kind of see that happen with you too, because, but not the band you too, but with you as well, is yeah. that- you come over here. And by the way, this song goes number one for you first here on the country charts. Here it is. And we'll come back to the, how much of a grind it is to get a song up. But this song goes over and goes number one, right? And does it hit the pop chart at all? Or is it the, your next one that does? This this was top 20 on pop radio, yeah. So, but Oh, your next one's the one that went number one forever. Yeah. Day Drinking was the, was the big one over there? Yeah. Yeah. It was number for like 20 weeks, though? 25 weeks? <clears throat> on, on the country chart, it was. And then yeah. it was like a couple week pop number yeah. one. Yeah. And so did that change everything for you in Australia now that you have a pop yeah, number it, one song? It's like a different place. Yeah. It's wild. And I can't believe that it's, ha- like, you know what I mean? Like we didn't, I just came to Nashville and made music because I loved it, you know? But we you didn't, didn't just, it, that's we, the thing. There's no just. There's you, no just. You're no. being humble because it's a lot of freaking work. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I guess, I guess what surprised me was that we didn't, we didn't do a, a pop remix or something you know what i mean like there was nothing we didn't change anything they just radio down there really took a chance on it and people just reacted to it i guess and yeah when i go down there that's the song that everyone wants to talk about that's the song that everyone's singing to me and more so yeah. than kiss somebody huh yeah i mean it's it's wild yeah it's an amazing feeling i've never had a song like that before so yeah i appreciate it all so okay let's go let's go back so you go uh you go back home you have this this big skies touring on for a couple of years. Yeah. When do you go, I, I got to go to Nashville at least some. And are you going back and forth or did you move? How'd that work? It took a few years. Um, and in retrospect, I, if I had one regret in my life, which I don't like any regrets because you're not who you are without what you've been through, but it would have been come back here sooner. And that's the only advice I offer to anyone that asks for some. But uh, it was probably three or four years before I was like, okay, I'm going to start going back. And... I guess a lot of that is because it's so far away. You know, it's not it's not like just getting in your car and driving. It's so far away. Yeah, it's a huge investment of time and money and just also out on a limb too. You know, like you show up in Nashville with a guitar and you're like, you're 10,000th in line. You know, <laughs> there's like 9,999 9, people before you with that guitar and, and um, it, it can be a very intimidating place as well like that. And so to work up the courage, I guess, and, and have that time and, and the, uh, you know, the ability to come over took, took me probably longer than it should have. But so you, you move, what do you move with? You, you well, set, you put on a boat or do you move enough in suitcases? No, that you can no, just do that? I, well, I came back and forth for probably three or four years before I moved here. So I would come over for two weeks or three weeks to write songs. And then I would go back and tour and then come back and, it got to the point where one year I went back and forth nine times. And at the end of, like I worked out, I spent almost a month on an airplane that year. <laughs> that was it. That was like, all right, I'm, I'm moving there. This is it. And um, that was just over four years ago now. 
how do you fi- how do you find people to write songs with though if you're not here all the time like m- cultivating friendships well that's the thing it's it's one like even after i moved here they were like oh so when are you coming back when are you coming back i'm like i'm here now guys this is this is happening you know and and I feel like too for for anyone that shows up in town with a guitar, like the biggest challenge is to find who it is that you're gonna make the best music with. You know, there's the best songwriters in the world here, but it doesn't mean you're gonna make the best music with them. And um, yeah, I spent a lot of a lot of that time back and forthing, and and even when I got here, just writing with as many people as I could. You know, whether that was someone I met at a bar or someone my friend introduced me to, and and just trying to find who it was that you're gonna click with. You move here. And how, well, when did you officially move to the States? What year? Uh, it was four years ago. So was that 2015? So you've yeah. been going back and forth for a few years. You yeah. moved here in 2015. Yeah. So, but what do you kind of move into? Do you have something, you have a publishing deal already established? Are you able to slide in and have some income coming in? Are you playing off of, uh, using a lot of your money that you'd saved up touring? Like, how are you able to live? It was pretty much like tour, save up. And come over. I didn't have a publishing deal or anything. I mean, publishing deals in Australia are kind of a different, a different beast. It's no like, publishing deal here, though. You didn't come yeah, over. And I didn't have here. anything here, no. And um, dude, I, I couldn't even rent a place here because I didn't have any credit history here. So you can't. So I actually had to stay at a friend's place um, for a few months to like get a phone and like work all that sort of stuff out, which is just stuff you don't think about when you move to the other side of the world. But um, I, th- I do feel like once you get here, though, it's kind of like what we were talking about creativity-wise before. It's just like you're here. It's like you have to do it. And um, well, You have no choice. You're living in a place where you know nobody. I just Yeah. What else are you going to do? And But I will say that about Nashville is a lot of people come here by themselves. So most people understand what it's like to show up in, in town by themselves. And there is, like especially Phil Barton, who I know your buddy's with, he was really good at the time of like, He's obviously a busy dude too, but he would always like take a call or reply to a text and you want to catch up and just talk or you want to write a song and he would be like, yeah, Sunday afternoon at three o'clock or whatever, you know, he was that guy. So it was cool. There was a, there was a handful of people like that, that like, even when it was like, what am I even doing here? You know, there was people like that that were there kind of to inspire you. When you were doing your Phil Barton impression, I know Phil because Phil also has an accent, but I don't think Mike heard an accent change. Because I heard you, I saw your eyes do an impression, but we, did you ever hear an accent <laughs> no, change? I didn't. So where, where, where's Phil from? Do you, specifically, do you know? He's from Melbourne, I think, yeah. So he's, Phil and Eric Pazland and I wrote When I Grew Up together, the kids' song, but Phil's an Australian, and everything he sings is, oh, and you did an impression of him, but your accent didn't change, but I think in your mind it did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you kind of shift when you did him, and then you shifted back. Well, I, I do feel like he's one of those people that when you say his name, like anyone that knows him sort of lights up, and they remember him yelling. He is very bright. Yeah, baby, or chicken, or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So you move here, and... Like, how long did it take before you kind of got, all right, I can actually do this and not be so intimidated by everyone around me? Because I think that's a, a, the common theme with a lot of people who move to town is they look around and go, oh, my God, everybody's so good. Yeah. Like, where do I fit in this the sea of all these giants? Yeah. Where? How long did it take you before you got, okay, I can, I can actually get in the mix here? Well, I still wonder about that. But um, I, as I was mentioning before, but... Um, I will say a guy named Brett James too. I'm not sure if you know Brett. I know Brett. He and uh, he and my my former manager um, were fr- friends as well. They'd met on the CMA board or something like that. And so he, as a favor to my manager at the time, wrote me, wrote with me one time, kind of really early on. And I remember him kind of being one of those guys that was like, oh, "Shit, this guy's got like 25 number ones. Like, what am I even doing in a room with him?" And 
and uh, and we just we always had a good rapport, and he would always like kind of, well, that's a cool idea. Let's work on that, you know. And and so when you're sitting with someone like that who's had that much success, and you're having, you know, playing the game of kind of songwriting tennis or whatever, just hitting it back and forth, and like going through that creative process with someone as successful as that, that kind of gives you confidence to know that hey, well, maybe like I can contribute you know, in a, a meaningful way. And um, he, I would consider him one of my great mates now. I, I barely see him, but when I do, it's like we're back on again. And um, having that early on was great. But I, I do feel like it really clicked sort of ironically when I went back uh, home for Christmas at the end of that first year living here. And um, I was in my hometown of Newcastle, but there was this songwriting camp on in Sydney and uh, they invited me down to it. And I went down for three days and it just so happened that the first day I got teamed up with Krista Stefano and the third day I got teamed up with Ashley Gawley. And by that Wednesday night, when everyone was doing their like hang party, Chris and Ashley and I disappeared into a studio and they were like, hey, what else you got? Show us your demos. You need to come to Nashville. Let's make a record. And I was like, really? I just moved there. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you know, and I remember that night. And, um, and that was, so that was in December. And the following February, we started to work together. And I remember the first session we did together, leaving that thinking like, not that we wrote the best song in the world, but leaving it thinking like, oh, this is something, like we're, we're onto something here. And um, those two started introducing me to the songwriting community that they work with, which is obviously like- That's the, the upper, the the upper, upper tier. Yeah. talented people, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, I mean, I was getting to work with people that I just kind of, you know, looked up to for the, for the previous sort of 10 years. And um, I think- wouldn't have been maybe six weeks and we wrote Kiss Somebody and that was kind of the start of what became the record. So you write this song. When you finish this song, are you like, okay, that's the best song I've ever written or that's the most radio song I've ever written or that's just another good song? It's funny, man, because I, 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 I loved writing it. It was a really fun song to write. It was the first day I'd met Josh Osborne and um, we just had a, a great time writing it. We the demo we made whilst making it is a lot of what you hear on the on the album. Like it's very like a, just an inspired kind of recording process. And and I remember afterwards we went to the tin roof uh, next door to Chris's studio and just had a drink to celebrate. And he just leaned over to me. And he was like, "I think we got one today." <laughs> that was it. He just said that. I was like, "No one's ever said that before," you know. And uh, yeah, I, I knew I had fun writing it. I knew I loved the song, but I'd loved many other songs that I'd written before. So. I, I sort of don't trust myself in that way. But uh, when he said that, I, I, I feel like I'll always remember that as like the start of whatever we we're going to do next. Did you have a record deal when you wrote the song? No. You did not? I had a deal in Australia. But not in the States? Not in the States, no. I remember, and not to speak out of place here, but I remember you being here and not having a deal and you kind of seeing where you were going to land. Yeah. What? So... Was there a, I know the answer to these questions, so I'm going to ask them in a way I let you answer these questions. <laughs> yeah, okay. How was that process for you in finding a label to partner with or to be your label? Does it turn into a big bidding war? Is it, it what is that? How did that happen for you? Um, well, I mean, for me, because I was signed to Warner in Australia, so there was kind of an open line of communication there that had been opened because of me like hey our australian guys over there in nashville 
take a look at this stuff. You know, had they looked and when you first moved here, and they were, they were like, ah, it's not not the right time. Yes, um, and we like f this. But I will say, my manager at the time, who like he sort of. He was like real switch, switched on to the point where he was like, I'm not going to go take music into anybody until it's ready. He took it in when I moved over and then just let it sit, you know. And um, it wasn't until we had Kiss Somebody and we had Everything Changes, Day Drunk, and Dance With Me. And once we had those four, that's when like Chris, who had become invested in the project at that point, and... Um, Rob, my manager, were like, okay, now it's time. Like, let's, let's let's put this stuff out. And that's when the real conversation started happening. And did you have conversations with multiple people? Yes, we did have conversations with a couple of different labels. But in the end of the day, Warner had dibs on me because of my Australian deal. And honestly, I love the team that I get to work with now anyway. So that worked out for the best. I like that team too. Yeah. And I try to stay out of the mixes of teams. And I, I, I try not to play the label stuff game at all yeah but it's hard to not get to know and not be friendly with people that are good people of course yeah and so you know i like the president of your label espo yeah yeah i mean there's not a more passionate guy about music about music in general but he's a def jam for a while like he did hip-hop i mean the guy the guy loves music yep like i've rarely will i go to dinner with anyone in the in the business, period. Yeah. But I will go and just sit with him. We don't talk about country music. It's just like he just loves music, and I like that. I would like to work for someone that. With that comes someone who knows a lot and is very pa- and with passion comes you know. Sometimes they're tough to work for. Yeah. But, but but I wonder you you go over and they're like okay we'll take you now. Are you like, okay now you want me? Why didn't you want me two years ago? A little bit. Uh, I mean, you you always feel that a little bit because everything's personal when you everything's when you're creative. You're, t- you're speaking to the yeah, and and it's so uh, you just have to remind yourself. You know, I, I say that like I've got it all worked out, but I, I say it because I need to say it to myself all the time. Um, and I will say, like, if there's anything that I've learned, it's just everything is to do with songs. You know, and I didn't have that. I didn't have those songs at the time. And those songs were way better. Like when you play Big Skies, I was like scr- cringing, you know. <laughs> when you play Kiss Somebody, I'm like, oh, it gives me like, a, you know, a good feeling because I'm, I'm so proud of that. And um, and I feel like having those songs, was it was just the right time that, that everything happened in that way. So um, it was definitely hard to feel kind of any sort of bitterness about that moment. When you sign a deal, are you rich? When you sign a record deal? Yeah, when you sign your deal, did you, are you like that? No, you know the answer to that. Listen, I'm <laughs> asking questions here. No, no, absolutely not. So how does no. that work? Do they say, here's here's a little bonus so you can pay your rent because we're going to need you out on the road doing all this stuff? Um, or like a little... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of... You can't tell me I know the answer to that. I know the answer to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of walking you around a little bit. Yeah. Because I want to hear what your take on it is. True. I, I mean... No, I, I didn't get one of those deals where you get a bunch of money up front. That, that's not at all true. I did sign a publishing deal at the same, or like very soon after. With? Uh, with the same, with Warner Chapel. So the, so they're paying you to write and to record. Yeah. And so the, the way that those deals work is you get like a certain amount per month or whatever that you can live on and, you know, be out there promoting whatever you're doing without freaking out about being able to pay the bills, you know. Isn't it crazy that you get to go and create art and get paid? Like when you just look at it. Yeah. Like when you lay it out yeah, and not to take anything away from the fact that you've worked super hard to do what you do and you're talented, but there are a lot of people that are talented 
Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it crazy that you get paid and get to live a life, a wonderful life, a wonderful grinding life, but to just make art, to just play songs? Yeah, it's unreal. It is incredible. Do you ever have, take those have those moments where you start to get upset at the whole process and the whole talent and the whole, and you're like, this is stupid, but then you, you have to go, wait a minute. Let me, oh, take, yeah. let me take a break and just examine what we're doing here. Yeah. Oh, all the time, man. I feel like my whole life is a balance of that, of like, oh, like work harder, work harder, you know, grind. Like I, I totally dig all of the stuff you say, you know, like grind, repeat, all that stuff. Like I feel like that's what I do day in and day out. And sometimes at the end of a day when maybe you haven't accomplished whatever you thought you might have accomplished that day, it is easy to get down. But again, you just got to remind yourself, man, like this is so lucky to be doing this. And I mean, I've been doing it for so long to appreciate the level that I get to do it at at this moment in my life is incredibly special. You're out with the flats now? Yeah, we just did the first weekend. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. How'd that go? It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love those guys. They're good guys, huh? Love the band. Like the, the, the number of hit, huge hit songs they have is just great. Like you forget until you see the show and it's wild. And they're such great guys too. Yeah, they're good dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Jay over here last week. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago or so. I listened to that podcast. It was it's, great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed him. We, you know, we hung out for a while and talked. It, it, you brought up something earlier that I wanted to hit back on, and it kind of goes back into this Jay thing, is I know those guys, but I don't ever see those guys in town. Right. Like, you kind of establish these relationships, and if you don't prioritize, yeah. you never see each other. You may like each other, mm-hmm. but unless you go, we are making a point to actually see each other on this date, it never happens. And so Jay was over, and we were like, Let's just hang out and talk for a few minutes because in this town, like you said, you meet people and then you're gone. That's it. Yeah. You, I see more people on the road than I do in Nashville. Me too. That's Me been, too. Yeah. Like it, I'll spend like if raging idiots or if I'm doing, I'll get to spend more time with people if we're out and there's a bunch of buses hanging out than, than yeah. ever in town. That's like a rare moment of downtime, isn't it? After the show of like, Oh, hang on. You know, we, we had a really good hang with uh, Gary the other night, just sort of knocked on the bus door and sort of popped in and hung out for a couple of hours. And he's like, Cause God bless the broken road. Come on in. Man, he's the craziest he, singer. Him and Shay Mooney. They're like a different, different level of singer. Yeah. I think Shay and in my head, I always have this list, this power list of the best singers. Right. And it's hard to compare because everybody's so good. But I, I think it's always been. Shay, there, there are a couple of those. Lauren. Oh, yeah. Yep. Elena. Uh, pound for pound. Because she's even, but like a Daniel Bradbury, she's like one foot one. Yeah. And is a monster of a voice. Monster voice. Yeah. Like I, when she came in, I actually measured. She's one foot one. And she sings like that. She, yeah, she's that. Uh, how good of a singer are you in your mind? Uh, I, I feel like I write to my voice. Uh, so I enjoy singing the songs that I write. Would you go up without a guitar and do an entire set with no guitar? No. One time, one time, uh, my loop station died, and uh, my guitar died on the same gig, which is very unusual for both things to go down. And uh, I was in Sugarland, Texas, opening for Reba McIntyre about three years ago, and I remember trying to tell a joke. And then I remember starting to sing the American anthem. That's, that's how desperate I got. But everyone sang it with me and that was it. I was like, thank you, a good night. I walked off stage. Isn't it funny how when things aren't going exactly as we feel comfortable, everything speeds up. Yeah. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But if you just 
taking a, a beat. Yeah. Even 10 seconds. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, let me think about this for one second. Even on stage in front of all those people. But instead, as humans, we react like this. This does not feel normal. Oh, my God, I must do something quick. And then you do things like try to tell a joke and sing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the longest 10 seconds of your entire life. You've doubted everything you've done up to that point, and then you sing the, the American National Anthem. It's funny to me that the, the song that Dylan Scott cut, um, Hooked, yeah. which, which you wrote. I did, yeah. yeah. I'm always curious as to how songs are hits for other people. And, what, and did you just not want the song, or was it not timed right with your record? Like, How did he get this song that obviously is really good? Um, it wasn't... For me, <laughs> he, uh, I wrote that song with Seth Ennis and uh, an Australian producer, Lindsay Rhymes, and um, we all loved it straight away, and, and, and I loved it at the time. And it was actually in the pile of songs that I was going to, like, the cut pile, you know, which it, it wasn't like we're going to cut that song, but it was in the pile that we had at the time. And um, I was in the studio one day with Chris, and we were cutting something else, and um, I got a, an email or a call or something, and it said, hey... Dylan Scott has just cut hooked. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I remember thinking, what's in my pile there? But he's already done it. I, I, don't, I never met the guy at the time. And um, it, it was definitely like a, a weird feeling for a couple of minutes. But then, I mean, for someone else that writes songs to cut one of your songs is the absolute highest compliment that you can be paid as a songwriter. And uh, I had that conversation with Chris, who is obviously, Chris Stefano is who I'm referring to. He, he's obviously had a level of success that's like just crazy. And so he's a good dude to, to ask about it, you know. And A little bit you were pissed. Yeah. I would have been. No, I mean, I, I, I guess I was still learning how it worked, you know. I was like, but you this, cannot, is, not, uh, this you is, can, is not the right word. But you but, cannot know how something works and still be upset unintelligently. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I wish someone had asked me before it had happened. Right. But it's so funny, like, when you look back on moments like that and feelings like that uh, two years later and you're like, this is, like, one of the best things that's ever happened. <laughs> you know, it's just so cool that he put that out and had a, a big hit with it and and I get to play that in my shows now, you know. And and honestly, that song probably wouldn't have fit my album the way that it is. And, um, yeah, it all works out for the best. But, yeah, it was a weird day. I remember when it happened. Of like it should be a day you're probably high fiving everyone, but you're kind of like, what about, you know, it's a precious thing. So the song goes at number two. Yeah. Not number one. That's yeah. a weird thing that songs peak at number two. Yeah. It's a rare thing that songs peak at number two. It is. Usually, if they're gonna peak high, they'll peak at four or five. But usually, if they get to two. Yeah. Morgan, usually they go to no, what, like, what? What? What happened? Do I know what happened? Yeah, I what, what no happened? idea. I mean, that I do. Someone told me that's like the the equal longest charting single or something like that, like a fifty six week single, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment. And um, I mean, I wish it had a number one next to it, but it's it's one of those things. I feel like that's a stressful time too when you're looking at a song like that. Of like, is it is it gonna is it gonna work? Is it gonna be a number one song forever? You know, or is it gonna be? A hit song, a top five song, or whatever. Did you even know it was going to be a single when he cut it? Uh, I, I think so. I think they, I think they said he's cut it. It's going to be his next single, which obviously made that feeling. A yeah, lot, I would have been so better. pissed if yeah, I had yeah, just known. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't going to be like track eight that no one ever heard. You could do, like Eric Pasley did on Friday night because Lady A had cut Friday night. Oh yeah, 
And uh, if you don't mind play, pulling this up for me, Mike, Lady Antebellum cut Friday night, and according to Eric, they were going to put it out as their next single. Well, they decided to shut the record down and move on right. to the next record, so they never put it out. And so it was like basically a track eight. Yeah. And right. he's like, well, what am I going to do? So he recuts it, puts it out, and he goes, I think this is number one. Oh, yeah, it's a huge yeah. song so for they, yeah. they cut it, and then he, but he wrote it, and then he ended up recutting it and we, put it out at number one, and it went number one. I had a conversation like that with a couple of much more successful writers than I the other night about the, the fact that that doesn't happen often enough, and, and great songs get left behind, you know, um, especially by big superstars. You know, like someone like Thomas Rhett, there's like 14 songs on an album. Like probably 12 of them could be singles on yeah. the radio, you know, but he, he only has time to put out. Well, he has time to put out four or five now, maybe, but because they move so fast, yeah, yeah. But still, like, there's still seven songs on there that are incredible. And why, why should that be where they kind of live forever? They can have another life somewhere else. Yeah, he put, it, I think there's sixteen on his next album. Yeah, pro- yeah, something like that. Yeah, sixteen tracks. And That's I was crazy. like, dude, I remember I was talking to him about it last week. I was like, how in the world? Yeah, am I supposed to listen and like? fall in love with all 16 of these songs. Right. Like, this is three EPs. Just hit me, like, every three months with a new EP. Like, let me fall in love with all of them. Yeah. Um. You know, he wrote, he tells a good story. Wait, do you have, like, Friday Night from Lady A? It's not working. Our computer shut down? Mm-hmm. We're rebuilding the studio, too. Okay. It's one of the last, one of the last trips. We don't even have computers. We have a tape deck over there. Yeah. We're trying to pull tapes. Um, <laughs> Thomas Rhett wrote Old Dominion's new song. Oh, Some, some people, people do. do. It's a great song. And that was, it was a similar story that he told me. He said uh, him and Matt Ramsey had written it together. Right. And they were like, well, who gets to keep it? Because we both love it. Yeah. And uh, Old Dominion, you know, it's, it's, they cut it. It's on the record. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. But I feel like uh, they're maybe the two like, most guilty artists of just cutting like an album full of singles. The Old Dominion do it too. That yeah. Old Dominion, I think, is my favorite album artist. Yeah, I see that. They've put out two records, and every song on both records have just, I can just turn it on and listen. Yeah, and I can't do that with everybody. Yeah, I'm, there, there's something like really special about what those guys have going on. We we played a, a couple months opening for them at the start of the year, and watching their show every night. It, even the songs that haven't been hits on the radio sound like it when they played them live. And then they do this thing where they break it down in the middle and play all the hits that they've all, all the written. written. And it's yeah. like 10 or 12 just verse choruses of like all these massive smash. It's an incredible show, yeah. They, whatever they're doing, they're doing right. I, I got to write with them once on the road. Who's and them? All of them are like Trevor and Matt. It was Trevor, Matt, and Brad. I felt like I joined Old Dominion for about two, <laughs> two and a half hours. And it was so cool to see how they, they all work together and – it's it's really special. It was cool to be a part of. Last week in Australia, you won two APRA awards for Country Work of the Year. Is that the, is that the title, Country Work of the Year? Yeah. Is that how you guys say song? Uh, APRA is what, what you would say. It's like ASCAP or BMI. It's those awards. And Work of the Year, I think, I don't know why they call it Work of the Year. Do they call it that though? Yeah. They do. And so for Day Drunk. Yeah. Which has made you super famous in Australia. <laughs> a lot more than I was before, that's for sure. Like, who's more famous? What's the actress's name? The funny actress in Australia? Kind of the, the blonde hair. Who's the most famous person in Australia right now? Like, current like uh, current famous. Like, uh, I don't know, like Chris Hemsworth or something like Ooh, that? Oh, good one. Let's yeah. do this. Power 5 Australian famous people right now. Rebel Wilson? Rebel Wilson, I was thinking about. Okay. At, oh, yeah, she's awesome. At number one is 
Chris Hemsworth. Well, I do it. I don't know. No, Maybe. no, but I, I'm just. I'm. I'm not saying everyone, but in your mind. Right, right, right. Well, it's funny because my mind is like warped by I guess who I follow on Twitter and. Fair enough. It's <laughs> it, like your mind. Chris Hemsworth at number one. A Hugh Jackman. It's like quite, quite absolutely a popular actor. Right at number two, Hugh Jackman. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Keith are like gotta be up there, right? If they're on your list. Well, okay, they're on there, and maybe who would the next one be? Maybe Russell Crowe or something like that. Mm. People that have been doing it at a really high level for a long time, I feel like, are the most known people. Anybody from Australia that's in the States reach out and be like, hey, good to see a home, homeboy making it? Uh, yeah, I mean, whenever I, whenever I run into people back at home, I ran into a guy named Dean Lewis the other day. He was, uh, we were staying in the same hotel, and he was the first person I ran into at the coffee shop outside, mm. and he was like, hey, I was like, hey. So congratulations on everything. Who's and that I, guy? I said the same thing. Guy named Dean Lewis. He, um, he, what, what's his big hit song, Mike? He just had this song blow up on the on Spotify and I look it up. Oh, be all right. Yeah, be all right. Um, Dean Lewis, huh? Yeah. Do I know him, Mike? I have to ask Mike who I know at this point. <laughs> Mike, I've, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's pretty good. So he's Australian. Oh, here he anyway, is. He, he was an example of that. We just kind of ran into each other and. Let me see if I know this. Oh, this is the Parmalee guy. Mm-hmm. Parmalee cut the song as their single. They just covered it, yeah. No, it's their single. It's Parmalee's single. Oh, it's single. their new single for the yeah, for radio? Yeah, I thought I knew that guy. Oh, awesome. Cool, yeah. Yeah, look at you. So you, you recognize that dude? You just at a coffee shop? You recognize Dean Lewis? Yeah, we He recognize you? Bumped into each other at the front. Yeah, it was awesome. Look at you guys. All you Australians. It's fantastic. Hey, where was, was that in town? No, that was, that was in Australia, yeah. All right. He, he played in, in Nashville recently, but I, I was not in town to see it. Oh, there we go. There it is, yeah. That's the Parmalee version, right? Yeah. Now we got three three running at once. We had nothing working. There it is. is back. So you win uh, for Day Drunk, won a couple of awards over there, which is, that's your big song there, huh? You wouldn't end the show with Kiss Somebody, you'd now end with Day Drunk in Australia. I guess so. How long yeah. is your set here in the States when you open for Flats? 25 minutes. Have you done the thing where you go, you run around the whole stage and go over your time? Because they love that. <laughs> we, the first night, I think I played three minutes over or something the first night. And their stage man- manager like quickly let us know. And how does he say that to you? It wasn't directly to me. Okay. Um, but then the next night before I went on stage, he came and checked in. He was like, so you know, you've got a 25 minute set tonight, right? And I was like, yes, sir. Here we go. You know, I have heard that story, the Eric Church story, the, the legendary. And I've had them both tell it. The Flats have oh, told really? their version, and Church has told me his version. Are they the same? Basically. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> They're basically the same version. No. And the crazy thing from that is that when they kicked Eric Church off the tour, uh, Taylor Swift filled in. Oh, right. And then that was kind of the start of her. Yeah, wow. Next thing you know. What a time, boop, 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 boop. What a yeah. time. Um. That uh, Dylan Scott song, they make you a good amount of money as a songwriter? Uh, I just got the first check for it the other day. Just now? Are you yeah. kidding me? Oh, we talked about that? this last time I saw you. Well, it's probably six weeks ago now. Last time I saw you, remember, I Isn't said, I, crazy? I, people keep telling me about this check. I've never seen one. Um, one came in and it was, I mean, for me, completely it fantastic. It takes that long. Dude, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. Yeah. But that was the seventh most played song on radio last year. That was... Like a, a really big song for him and obviously for me as a writer. So um, very, very grateful for that one. I saw Ryan Hurd tweet out something funny. 
I guess you guys are going to play together in Memphis. You're doing a show. Today. Oh yeah, yeah. And he tweeted out, uh, "Guys with famous wives tour 19." <laughs> yeah, that's we're pretty, doing it, man. That's pretty. Do you feel? I know Kelsey was at. I think I saw Nancy's story. Kelsey was at the flat show. With you. Yeah, she actually came out for the whole run on the weekend. Do you feel pressure that well she's here? I got to put her on stage with me. To the fans, like if they know she's there, are oh, they right. expecting her? I don't know. That's kind of a weird thing because I never want that to be an expectation, obviously, because she can rarely come out. But um, I love it when she comes out personally. Like if if I was playing around the house, I'd prefer it if she was singing with me. So um, we played three shows and I brought her out on one of them. I thought that was a good I, – I kind of defer to her on all that kind of stuff. Like I, I leave it as an open invitation. Whenever you want, no pressure. If you want to sing, if you want to do your hair – Come out. If but you, you just, can pressure her. You're her husband. So you're, you're the one who can pressure her. I guess I could, yeah. But you don't. No. I, I don't feel like any, anything good creatively comes out of that kind of pressure. So, And I'm also very aware of that. I've kind of been hyper aware of everything to do with her career and my career since we started dating. So it's kind of, I kind of leave most of it up to her whether she wants to make it work together. You and I, we both share the distinction of having a really amazing honor given to us. We're the only two that I know that have had this given to us. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. For me, it was a really big deal. And then I didn't know that you had been given this honor either, and it makes me feel a little happier, frankly. Okay. Because it's, you know, two cool guys just making it. And a lot of people <laughs> see it. It's, it's, it's printed. Okay. What do you think it is? It's printed? It's printed, yeah. Oh, there's, a pic, there's a picture of you. There's a picture of me and, somewhere and, that there is a picture of you. Well, let's just say it was in the same magazine. Oh, are you talking about the uh, the, the flight magazine? The Southwest this Airlines <laughs> magazine. <laughs> oh, there's a whole feature. You open up the Southwest Airlines, you pull it out of the back of the flap, and there yep. you are, Morgan Evans, there Southwest I Airlines. I, I feel like I've had more texts and tweets about that than any me too. Uh, interview I've ever done. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we share the. Uh, We're the Southwest, only two I know that yeah. that have gotten that honor. Did you have to go do a photo shoot? Because I did. They came. I guess they have a Nashville photographer or yeah. something like that. He came to the label one day when we were doing a bunch of press. Yeah, and we did a photo shoot in about five seconds, and then he left. Though <laughs> I mean, that was it. Here's what you said in your interview. I rack up rapid rewards points traveling for work and use them for vacation. I like to spend time with my wife and disappear for a bit. Oh, look at you! There you are. You can just you can just hear that coming out of my mouth exactly like that, can't you? He's an avid surfer, and his first close encounter in the water with a shark was last year. He saw a four-foot shark swim right by him. He used to go to the beach almost every day and go surf or swim before the day would start. I'm going to jump out one of these windows. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Big time over there. Uh, meet our May A-lister, Morgan Evans. So show us yours now. All right. Let's find it. Do you have it? <laughs> Listen, we've been here for an hour, just here talking it up. I think that I don't have a lot of notes on you because, I, I, you know, when you know somebody, you just kind of see where it goes more so than follow notes. And then I feel like yeah. I had much many notes to go by. I do want to run through some of your songs for a second as he as, as he pulls us up. I'm gonna put Mike on double duty. Uh, I love this "Dance with Me" song. It's probably my favorite song. I think I texted you that when it came out. I was yeah. like, "This is my favorite song." Appreciate that. Um, I listened to it alone in the closet. Here is "Dance with Me" right here. <laughs> Obviously, Kelsey's there. 
This is my favorite if you song. That's your favorite song too? Yeah. I, that's, my, that's my favorite song. Yeah. I love it. Thank love you, it, man. love it, love it. Uh, here's Young again from Morgan Evans. Because we're drunk on the Well, there's me in the magazine. Hey, my picture looks... I don't. I, I guess I didn't see yours in the magazine. Was yours that big in the actual magazine? Yeah, I think it was exactly the same. Ah, of course it was. Yeah. You're probably bigger. They probably put the better looking guys bigger. It's probably a little bit smaller. And you're probably... Yeah. They probably put us height, so you're probably like an inch taller <laughs> in yours. Yeah, they made the page a little bigger. <laughs> oh, just the one yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so look at us. Put in the hours. You'll mess up a lot, but you got to make mistakes to get better. That's why I said. Love it. I believe it. How many points do you have? How many Southwest points do you have? Do you know? Dude, so many. I have so many too. I have, wow. like, I have like half a million. Do you really? I just half I have a million. S- I don't know if I have half a million. I might have close to that though. I just spent like eighty thousand to fly because my assistant was going home, and I was like, "Just take, use my points because I fly so much for work that I have all of them." I'm gonna pull mine up real quick. I have three hundred and fifty thousand. You let me see. That's a good amount. That's a lot of flights. Yeah, he's not three hundred forty-eight thousand. Let's see what I have after yeah. using. Mm, there you go. Three hundred ninety-five. Yeah, dude, that's Gosh. a lot. I, <laughs> how much? Lot. I, I don't even know how much. How much does like. Can you fly someone from New York to Nashville for 80,000 points? Mm-hmm. Right. I flew my assistant here in Boston to back with like one day notice for 45,000 points or so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dude, we can just fly all over the world. Me and you on Southwest. Yeah, we, can just, let's go. we can just make all the stops. <laughs> take it. Press pause on this. We're, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, it's good to have you up here. It's good to see you. Thanks, mate. We have to go now find a cool place because the whole thing now is taking cool pictures and put, I want to put on my feet so I can promote things. We have to go find a cool artsy spot to take a picture. Okay. So we have, that's our, our next mission. You have a beautiful house here. Thank you very much. I built it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always weird when someone's like, Hey man, you're beautiful. It's almost (laughs) like when I would, when I would have a girlfriend, they'd be like, man, your girlfriend's so hot. Like, what do you say? Thank you. I didn't build her. <laughs> I didn't. I, she, that's her. I mean, yeah, Dude, and, I, and get are you, that, and I get that all the time. And man. are you saying that because you're surprised that I'm dating her? Like, right, right. wow, your girlfriend's so hot. Uh, are you sh- It's like, people go, hey, you have a nice house. I know that's the normal thing to say. And thank you very much. But the part of me that feels um, anxious and self-conscious goes, yeah. did you not expect me to have a nice house? Do you think I'm a loser? Do you secretly talk bad about me? Do you hate me? Are you going to... It's just brought, go down that spiral, you know? I hear you, I hear you. I'm this, a, this neighborhood is beautiful too, though. You this know, is did, the kind of street... Yeah. This, this street makes me want to go and move to a neighborhood like this. Um, I like... And, I, and I'm not going to mention where you live, but I like where you live too because everything's... It's close. Yeah. There's a, everything's around. We, li- we live in a condo, so... And I used to live in a yeah. condo downtown. Yeah. And I like that walking around, but yeah. now it's like I got a little space. I get... I'm good. Yeah. Do you feel like you're more relaxed here? I don't get to come here enough. I'm not at home enough. Right. But yes, when I do come, I do feel like, feel pretty good about it. Good. Feel pretty good. All right. We're, that's it. Are we done, Mike D? We are done. Do we, does our sound system working again? It is working. All right. Morgan Evans. Uh, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Fine. I thought you had done this show like three times already. <laughs> that's why I've got to listen that's, to it all the time. The, that's the funny thing. Thanks and for having we me. actually talk and I was like, hey, you should come up and... Uh, and I guess I was talking to Mike last week because I was like, Morgan's never done the show. And he was like, no. I said, oh, well, my heart he has. Many times. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we Morgan Evans. Uh, follow him on Instagram uh, at, what is it? Is this your name? Uh, Morgan Evans Music. Music. Yeah. That's me. Somebody got you on just Morgan Evans. Yeah. Somebody got me on just at Bobby Bones. Yeah. And I can't even get it back. You missed it now, right? I missed Jerry Bobby Bones, yeah. I was missed for a while. 
But then I got a nice house and I changed it to Mr. So it's a whole thing. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.